Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, out loud, book by book, chapter by chapter, looking at the book of Revelation lately. We're back into it after taking a break to look at a couple of Psalms uh, back on Thursday and Friday. Today we're back into the book of Revelation, looking at chapter 16, the seven bowls of wrath. And this is a, this is, this is a pretty interesting turn here because we've seen these sets of seven before. We saw the seven seals, and then we saw it was the seven trumpet blasts, right? So we keep kind of getting at this question, you know, is this the same set of seven? Is it a different set? But this is the last one. Um, so is it, you're going to see here that we, we've got some things that are that are kind of bigger uh, than what we've seen before. And there's one in particular that's really interesting. I think for me, the most interesting, the fifth bowl, it says it's poured out on the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. I mean, reminiscent of the plagues of Egypt, but I feel like this is the one that is maybe the easiest to place historically. Lots of good things today. Today we're joined by Pastor David Claire, pastor at Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Good morning, brother. Good to have you on with us again. And yeah, how, how are you doing over there in Pine Lawn? Good morning. Uh, yeah, uh, well, we're uh, closed down for the time being, but God willing, uh, we'll be able to start up on the 10th of May again. And uh, But, you know, okay. of course, with, with all of the safeguards and, and everything, right. but, uh, um, God's people continue to um, witness to him and, uh, and rejoice in his resurrection. And, and so, yeah, this Amen. is really exciting uh, to uh, look at uh, what the Lord has prepared for the world <laughs> and for us. Right, right. Well, yeah, no, indeed. And, um, well, I mean, what, what he has prepared and, and what he has already accomplished in many ways. And, yeah, no, it's chapter 16 is an interesting one. Uh, you, you, have, you have it in such quick succession, you know. I mean, like with the trumpet blasts and— with the the seals, there were kind of these like interludes that would kind of break things down. But um, this is just we get all seven of them here in one chapter. It actually fits for our our, our format really well. Um, and it, it's just interesting these these series of seven how they really seem to be so pointed back to the past. Um, they, they look so much like the plagues of Egypt, right? Yes, yes, and that's that's kind of the that's the um, uh, sort of a referent. It's sort of like a a, a type of of the judgments or something, and and here is the anti-type. Although right. uh, you know, I mean, again, you, you have to look at uh, Revelation in in somewhat as figurative language as uh, apocalyptic uh, symbolic. I guess I hate to use the word symbolic, but I, you know, that's that's kind of arrives at what you're what you're dealing with here well right and we've talked about that how revelation it's you can say it's it's symbolic or, or metaphorical but it's not it's not always that it, it's it's kind of more than anything else um you know veiled um, mysterious you know it's like kind right. of indirect maybe you know right um it's not right. it's not that like you know every single thing represents something else in kind of this kind of you know grand you know one for one um, kind of, uh, I mean, uh, kind of a metaphor, you know, but, but, but right. It, there is, yeah, 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 yeah that's right. It, it's not, it's not like, I don't know, like one the lion, the witch and the wardrobe, right? 
one one course uh, one for one correspondence nor is it a timetable from you know in other words right. that begins at point at the beginning of the of the book and then end at the end of the book with uh, all of these uh different um uh you know dispensational or um uh, events that people read into it, 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 it it's kind of uh, as I read a commentary of course it's Dr. Brighton's commentary it sort of le- it leaves to the imagination uh, but you want to kind of be careful with that imagination that it's informed by the other uh, books of or you know the other word of God <laughs> right exactly yeah yeah gotta tie things down here not get un- untethered all right. Well, yep. without any further ado, let's go ahead and turn to the text, speaking of uh, keeping ourselves grounded and tethered here. And uh, as we do, would you say a prayer for us and for all of our listeners and for all the brothers and sisters, wherever they are at? Certainly. Uh, let us pray. Risen Lord, draw us ever closer to you in your word and sacrament, that we may not fear the end of the world and its fearful judgments, but that we may see it as the time our redemption draws near, that you will bring us to yourself. Hear us, for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, So you know what? I was thinking about this uh, just last week. It was nice when we did the Psalms because... Uh, I, I've I've been doing this where I read the whole chapter, the whole psalm, and then we go back into detail. And I was thinking about it. I think that would actually make a lot of sense for a chapter like this, especially where you have this sequence. It's kind of nice just to see the whole thing, you know, mm-hmm. get the whole thing read, and, and then kind of go back once you kind of have um, kind of the scope of it. So let me just go ahead and read then just the whole of chapter 16, and then we can go and talk about uh, the first couple of verses here and maybe the first bowl. But so here's just all, all seven here, just so we kind of have it out on the table for us. Good. Chapter 16 in the English Standard Version here. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth. And harmful and painful swords came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and every living thing that was in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and gave him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. 
and I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are demonic spirits, performing signs and who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done! And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake, such as there had never been since man was on the earth. So great was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found. And great hailstones, about 100 pounds each, fell from heaven on people. And they cursed God for the plague of hail, because the plague was so severe. So there's the whole sequence of seven. And uh, there's... Oh man, this this hour is gonna fly by so fast right here. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot to talk about, but let's let's just maybe start with just the the first verse here. Seven bowls, um, these being being poured out. Uh, they're they're actually specifically mentioned bowls of the wrath of God. So it's a little bit more description, I feel like, of of kind of like uh, transparently what the purpose of what these things represent. They represent wrath. So we're kind of being told that already clearly. Um, but it's interesting, the imagery, um, a voice from the temple and, and pouring things out. Um, you know, th there, there's Old Testament background for that. Oh, yeah. It's interesting. Um, uh, Dr. Brighton, in his commentary, uh, interprets or translates the word for bowl as censor. Um, and it, it's like uh, uh, a... Um, the vessel for burning incense or, or, or something. But I, I think it's, it's more generally or universally in, in the English translation, English translations translated as bowls, you know, right. and it, you're reminded of the cup of God's wrath poured out or, you know, or that Christ uh, on the cross has, has completely consumed the cup of wrath for that was meant for the, all of the people of the world. Uh, so it's a, you know, it's a, there's, there's a, the uh, picture of, of God pouring out his, his wrath upon, uh, of judgment against uh, those, those who are uh, in oppose, opposed to him and his word. Right. So you, you've got that image of pouring out the wrath. And I, and I think that we see that a lot towards the end, where it's kind of made a little bit more explicit there on the seventh bull, right? Where it says, where was it? It was in verse 19, right? God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath, right? So, I mean, that, that really gets back to that Old Testament imagery that we've seen. We saw it in Isaiah uh, in a big way. Um, but that idea of, you know, having to drain the cup, like drink it, you know, here's the cup, drink up, right? And it's right. not one that you want to be drinking, um, you know, because to, to drink it, 
I mean, it's like when our Lord himself, uh, as you were describing, uh, talks to his disciples and talks about how, you know, can you, can you drink this cup? And I mean, how he prays, right? Take this cup from me. It, it's not a cup you want to drink because I mean, it's like Socrates uh, drinking the hemlock. This is, this is the cup that um, you drink and, and die from ultimately. Right. Um, so you've got that imagery. And I think also um, on the other side of it, the idea, for instance, like this first bowl gets poured out um, onto the earth or into the earth, uh, depending on the, the variant text reading we go with. But the idea of pouring out something on the ground, especially in connection with the temple, I mean, that also has Old Testament connections, right? Right. And it's interesting in the chapter before, it says that um, no one is in that temple. And so that uh, the, the loud voice is, is said to be the voice of God himself. Uh, speaking, because he, of course, is there, but but no one else is permitted in there. So, right. Yeah. No, that's a really good point because back it was back in verse five. We've kind of seen this here. The um, John breaks these um, these things down when he says, you know, I, "I looked or I saw," right? And that happened back in verse yeah. five of mm-hmm. the previous chapter, where he says, "After this, I looked, and the sanctuary, the tent of witness in heaven." was opened and out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues. Right. So as you said, um, there has been this fleeing, right. Um, from this, this temple, from this sanctuary. Right. Um, so, so all you have, right. It, it says there, or was it in verse eight, the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. And, right. and so that really has in, uh, set up everything that we have going on here. In some ways, that was kind of the beginning of the chapter, um, you know, properly speaking. And it's a lot, there's a lot like Isaiah where the, the smoke appears and the angels are covering their faces, right? I mean, it's, it's almost like the angels themselves are, um, you know, afraid or, you know, I mean, having a proper fear of God as, as right. God approaches for judgment. And, and um, you know, the number seven, of course, again, uh, you know, numbers are very important in the book of Revelation. It, it shows the completeness of this as God's judgment, because this is the end of that, uh, what, fourth vision of, of, uh, of Revelation. Um, right. Because right at the end, you have, then, then you're going to begin a new vision in, in chapter 17. Right. And uh, and so and then this is this is a, that and that's why you know there's no fractions that are used here except, except it says that the city of Babylon is broken into three parts, but um, it is it, you know everything is wiped out, it, it, right. you know like it, as they talk about uh, the different uh, you know bowls that are uh, you know poured right. out. Right. So okay. So I think I think this makes. Um... This sets us up well, and I think there's there's certainly more that could be said, but um, I think canting this idea to the the cup of God's wrath or the idea of um, pouring out um, cups as drink offerings, right? Like the priest would pour oh. these drinks out um, in connection with the, with the temple, um, and that's something that we saw you know, when we were going through numbers. Um, we had the, like, whenever you had any of these things, like, actually, it's interesting because there's, like, the Feast of uh, trumpets or like the feast of weeks, right? Um, yes. all, all these, all these things kind of actually sound a lot like the sequences that we're seeing. So, um, it, there, there seems to be this idea too, connecting us back to those Old Testament sacrifices. Uh, these are drink offerings in some ways right. um, that are 
that are being poured out. And so all, all these things kind of connect here. And with that in mind, we can kind of then begin to try, as you were saying before, kind of tied down to the rest of Scripture to figure out what's going on with this first angel and this first bowl. Um, right. Which, which it says here, it's poured out, it says here, and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. And this is this is interesting for several reasons, but one is that uh, maybe the one that jumps out at me is in terms of how unique it is. It's very specific in terms of who gets this. I mean, who who it's affecting. It's very specifically the people who bear the mark of the beast, which which is interesting because I mean. It, We've had the mark, the world of the beast, really introduced earlier. So it's building in some sense on what we've seen before. Right. Um, so, so that really kind of makes us ask a lot of questions. Like, you know, so so is this a, a new uh, series? Kind of like after all the beast stuff that we read, then this all happens subsequently. Or, um, but but regardless of kind of the time, then like what what it might possibly mean that there's these painful sores upon these specific people. And uh, the uh, sores uh, could be boils as well, and it's also similar to that uh, plague that uh, uh, was visited upon Egypt, the ten plagues. And uh, um, But, you know, what's interesting is that uh, you can kind of see the picture of it with uh, Job, who had these painful sores inflicted upon him. Of course, in his case, it was not not because it was not judgment, but it was a time of tempt- testing for him. Um, right. But anyway, it, it's it. But but as you said, it's it's directed toward those who are um, not uh, the faithful. The faithful are not receiving this judgment. It is those who have received the mark of the beast. And, you know, it's right. interesting how with the devil and, uh, and, and then of course there's the unholy Trinity that's involved. There is the dragon and then there is the beast from the sea, which is the antichrist or the, and then there is the false prophet, which is the beast from the earth. And, um, they, uh, you know, it, 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 with anything that is holy, like with uh, the Holy Trinity, or or with the mark of, of uh, the mark that is placed upon us in holy baptism. So even here in the devil's kingdom, there is also uh, uh, a counterfeit, uh, fraudulent, um, you know, substitution that they provide there. And so it's like it, it, those who have the mark of the beast are, are, are you know, sort of a substitute a counterfeit substitute for those who have the mark of of uh the spirit or the seal of the spirit uh through baptism and uh, right and so that and so that really makes it i mean that, that it's interesting because then if you can try to compare this say to egypt because i think that especially with the translation that we have um of harmful and painful sores that sounds like what we had back in egypt with the plagues it was that plague that afflicted um both people and animals um in terms of the sores right I, what was that like something like the um like was it like the fifth plague or something yeah. like that it was maybe maybe the sixth or, um some somewhere right. around there in the middle of the sequence um and so it sounds a lot like that but there are some differences where you know there's no mention of animals um it's not as if it's not as if in the case of egypt the egyptians were uh, almost like pretending like you were saying to to be 
the people of God, right? They, they didn't have any intention of that. So right. I mean, there's there's some differences too. And so, I mean, what do you make then of, of what this is trying to get at? Well, um, obviously, it, it you know those who have the mark of the beast are not uh, blessed. Uh, you know, they're not they they're not they have no um, bright future for them. You know, they they have nothing but judgment that is going to be visited upon them. And uh, it, it's kind of like in uh, the with the plagues of Egypt that God made a distinction between the people of Egypt right. and his people who were in the land of Goshen. Uh, right. You know, and, and so there is, in other words, that these plagues of judgment are visited upon those who are uh, opposed to God and, and, and uh, those who are on, in the devil's kingdom. And, and and so again, it's a, a, a fearful a fearful uh, warning, as as we read the, uh, the this passage, you know that right. Uh, well, and, and that's I think not that... what should bring us to God is fear of punishment. Well, well, you know, no, 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 uh, that's right. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's right. This, I, yeah, and this is a this is a thank you for making this point. Uh, I, I feel like this this could be how you take it, right? That this is like oh. Well, my goodness! Like, look what's going to happen to to people who don't get in line, right? Um, that right. you know, this is all going to happen to them. They're going to have these painful sores, um, and, and so you know, therefore, I had a, it kind of reminds me of what was going on back when Left Behind was like a popular thing. Not that like anyone knows what I'm talking about when I reference that anymore. That was such a flash in the pan thing. But you know, it was like what early 2000s or something yes. like late. There was 90s, a, there was a right? whole series right. of books by Tim LaHaye and I yeah. in fact uh, uh, at our thrift store at our church uh, I, we, I collected all of them because <laughs> people were, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Were, were getting rid of them but yeah. uh, you know it, again it's kind of like that with that interpretation that these are these are actual events that will happen um, you know in, in, in a timetable which is uh, right you know and very literal and, and, and so yeah, in yeah, sense, yeah. it's kind of like, although, again, um, as you have said as well, uh, there there could be a situation where it's an unveiling of, of judgment that, that may be very similar to this, um, you know, right. at, well, at, during, at the end of the world. Right. Well, and actually, um, I, I think if we're going to kind of connect this super directly to anything, um, because I, I think that, you know, you could kind of take it as a general warning, of course, of, you know, hey, if you're in the, of the devil, well, I mean, the devil doesn't treat his subjects very well, right? Like there, there are certain, um, you know, uh, there, there are certain ways that God allows um, the suffering to, to happen in those contexts. Um, not that God's going to make it so that his people don't do any suffering themselves, right? Um, so there's, there's, and as you said, you know, all, you also don't want to take this as like, oh, well, I better avoid this, so I better like get baptized, and then I'm like protected, right? Um, right. So there's a lot of like ways to misread this and misapply this. But if I were to try to take a stab at um, a right application, um, I'm thinking back um, to the disaster of of the the war in Judea with the Romans, uh, and mm -hmm. particularly as we have this all this temple imagery uh, leading up to the destruction of the temple, it seems to be the event that we keep circling around in all the imagery right. that we have here in Revelation. And it's interesting, it's poured out on the earth, it says, and as we've seen in the Greek, um, that is simply um, the land, which can, I suppose, refer to the whole world, but more often than not, it refers specifically to Judea. 
And if you think of that as, as a disaster that's poured out on Judea, there might be something that this corresponds to perhaps a little bit more specifically in history, uh, maybe even from the perspective of John. But we'll take a look at that in just a second. Yeah. First, we're going to take a short little break. But everybody, hang on. We're looking at Thy Strong Word, Chapter 16 of Revelation. Be right back. This is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. In this season of life, when everything seems to be constantly changing, one thing remains the same, the promises of God given to us in the Word of Christ. I'm Sarah Golseth, a digital media specialist for KFUO Radio, here at home in my spare room, to remind you all the ways you can hear the Word of Christ on KFUO Radio from wherever you call home. Our daily broadcast at KFUO.org includes talk programs, sacred music, daily chapel services, weekend worship services, and Bible studies. Our on-demand library includes many of our broadcast programs, in addition to podcasts from LCMS partners. You and your family can stream KFUO Radio at KFUO.org or on the TuneIn app. You can even ask your smart speaker to play KFUO Radio. You can also pull up your favorite podcast app and search for KFUO Radio to find all of our available podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest updates, as well as daily Bible verses and hymns. We are KFUO Radio, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere, at KFUO.org. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Revelation chapter 16. Uh, we went ahead and read the whole chapter straight through at the beginning of the hour, and now we're taking a look at those first couple of verses here with this first plague, you could say, this first bowl of God's wrath being poured out. And we're just talking about what that kind of seems to sound a lot like um, in history here. We're joined today uh, by one of our regular guests here. We've got Pastor David Boisclair, pastor at Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri, where, by God's grace, you already have a, a date, right? Like May 10th is a, kind of a day of, uh, with, with some precautions, uh, kind of a, a slow, uh, you know, soft open, you might say. That's, that's yes. cool to have a date at, at least. Yeah, yes, um, I think it, it's, help, it's very helpful and um, yeah, and I say to have some kind when of you have a, light a at the end members, of the tunnel. Uh, you're able to social distance, and so we definitely will do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. So, Lord, Lord willing, we'll we'll get some kind of date for us out here in Southern California um, of some kind. So, you know, well, I think we'll all take what we can get. So, right, uh, well, of course, taking precautions. But <clears throat> so, turning turning back to the text here, I just want to make sure to invite. All of our live listeners, uh, if you do have a question or a comment for us, a lot of stuff going on here, please do give us a call, 
730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, you can call 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Also want to make sure to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for your support and everything that you do. Their website is lhfmissions.org. So turning back to the text, we were just talking about this. Okay, so you got this bowl being poured out, you know, possibly then on the land. Um, yes. And then you take a look at the, you know, this whole mark of the beast thing. We've talked about how this um, perhaps in a lot of ways uh, seems to be a reference to uh, the Roman Empire and more particularly the Caesars of Rome, um, who were, I mean, bowed down to and I mean, even worshipped actually. Yes. Uh, yes. And and, and uh, in this in respect, they they did uh, serve the dragon, you might say. Um, yes. So if we think about that, that there, you know, there's an event here where it seems like the, the people who uh, are in Judea, who are in line with Rome, is there a time when, you know, they were, uh, they, they suffered some kind of wrath? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, I mean, on several occasions, uh, it's kind of like, take your, take your pick. Um, well, and, uh, well and, there was the one that, that you made reference to, which is what, as you said, is sort of like a, everything circling around is the destruction of Jerusalem by Titus in, in, the, in like between the years uh, 70 to 73. Um, right. And one, just one, one point is, is that the word for the sores is yep. also can be a wound, you know the, yes. that 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 uh, particular word in Greek uh, also means wound, as well as in, in, uh, sore. Indeed, and I appreciate you bringing that up because actually, when I look at this, um, I I actually am not sure about the translation of sores, at least from where I'm sitting, because it's singular here, right? And this yes. this word is yes. used for for sores, like for instance in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, but it's used there in the plural, right? To indicate that he's got, you know, uh, sores over his body, though even their uh, wounds might not even be incorrect. Uh, but the fact that it's like one singular one, um, that you might say something like a, like, like a grievous and uh, ferocious wound, right? Yes. That they kind of collectively experience. Well, if I think about that, especially as we're kind of leading up to, as you mentioned, the destruction in AD 70, a big one would be when um, I forget the guy's first name was. It might have been Festus. I feel like they all had the first name of Festus, uh, but I think I think it was um, his last name was Gallus. Though of course, last name is a tricky thing in Rome too. But um, anyway, he was called Gallus. Uh, was was sent one of the generals uh, to Judea, and this was leading up to that eighty seventy disaster. I think it was like in sixty six, and he he goes through and he just starts mopping up i mean he goes through um galilee and all the region around jerusalem uh, and it's just kind of victory after victory after victory and um all of the people there in judah um who was his know, name vindex? Really been... vindex i What's... think i don't know <laughs> what, what? Hang on. Vindex. oh oh god no. 
maybe yeah, you know yeah. like a, 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 as their cognomen you know they had the you had your the you'd had your first name then you had your last yeah. name you yeah. might say which and then you had your nickname see like yeah. Gaius yeah. Julius Caesar uh Gaius yeah. was his first name Caesar was his family name and uh, Caesar which means Harry uh, was his um uh his nickname <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, no, right. So these, uh, yeah, these these Romans with like all their their many names, and of course the Caesars after, um, you know, after Julius Caesar, they only had more names, right? And like they, it became just you know kind of crazy. It was like I think that, I think that like uh, for instance, once we get to Titus, it's something like you know, like Titus Flavius Augustus Germanicus. It's just like right. you know, like all the names all together. Um, yeah, Flavius but yeah, was so, the family. Flavius was the family name, and, and you know, his right. father Vespasian, uh, yep. you know, became emperor in sixty nine, and then he, then Titus uh, succeeded when his father died in right. seventy nine, and then right. Domitian was his brother, and he became his emperor. Brother, right, right, at, at, right. Yeah, but it's interesting how they all they all like shared a number of these names too. I like I think that like both Vespasian and Titus both had the names. Oh, now we're now we're really kind of getting off on a tangent, but <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but we're but talking so, yeah, about so... we're talking about a a a a, a sort of a, a you know maybe a paradigm of judgment yeah. that's being placed yeah. before us. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so yeah. So it, it could, um, yeah, it could be in some ways that that was in, uh, may, maybe in some ways a first fulfillment of this, or even you know, it's not even clear actually to me that this is meant to be um, perspective here. It could be that, that John is, is being given this unveiling, this, this uh, revelation so that he has the spiritual perspective on what actually has already happened. Right. I mean, he could be there sitting in, you know, um, 69 or 70. And now he's getting a vision on what happened a few years ago. And he's like, Oh, okay. That wasn't, that wasn't just the Romans getting out of control. That that wasn't uh, just the devil. That was, that was actually God allowing these things to happen right um so that then the saints who are receiving this message from john are saying all this disaster really was actually all a part of god's plan you know i mean and and that i mean it's a very different kind of message potentially that that you look back on these things that have just happened and you say i can see god in that and that you know maybe even uh, then for John, then who's sending this, um, you know, as like a as a letter of sorts to these seven churches, whatever they're going through right now, they can say, well, look at that. Like back in the past, you know, when John was there in Jerusalem going through all this stuff, you know, it seemed really bad, but it was all part of God's plan. So maybe what we're going through right now, you know, maybe that's also part of God's plan. He's going to see us through. And you already mentioned it um, later on. Um, Domitian, right? I mean, he was going to really turn up the persecution on the Christians. And there is this tradition that says that uh, Revelation was meant as a book of comfort to those Christians suffering under that greater persecution, which is even a worse one than what was experienced under Nero. Um, So it could be in some ways that John's looking back at all this terrible stuff that already happened, and he's saying, hey, look, guys, God saw us through all this stuff, um, and he's going to see you through uh, what you have ahead. You know, it's interesting that uh, in verse 21, it speaks about the hailstones. And uh, yeah. a, um, a biblical scholar, but not a very, not a very good one, <laughs> but 
but I mean, uh, he comes from a Jewish perspective, and and uh, yeah. he mentions that the a hundred pound, one hundred pounds of these hailstones were a hundred pounds each, and uh, that that he said was the uh, weight of a stone that was thrown in in a catapult, or you know when when yeah. the Romans would be uh, laying siege to a city, they would use that. Uh, weight of stone as as a uh, missile to uh, to try yeah. to uh, you know take that particular stronghold. Right. Yeah. And I. Um, yeah. Thank you for for mentioning that. Not to get too ahead of ourselves, but I I, I think that's onto something because we've noticed a pattern here where um, there's mention of um, thunder, earthquake, and hail pretty much at the end of every, every destruction sequence. Um, that there, there seems to be this, this kind of, uh, I mean, that, that's, that's almost like the climax of it. And if you are looking at destruction, uh, that's kind of escalating, getting closer and closer to AD 70, well, yeah, it's in 70 where Titus says, okay, let loose the catapults and they, they managed to break through. And I mean, I mean, Jerusalem is conquered largely by the end of the year. I mean, really, really the siege doesn't last longer then like maybe like six months or so it's it's mm-hmm. really not long at all at that point and at that point they spent a couple extra years mop-up operations more or less but i mean this, the city's taken um within just a, several months exactly but, but let, let's work our way up there though uh sure. we, we can't talk about the hailstones more until we until we deserve it we got it <laughs> yeah right yeah so so okay so there, so there's the first the first uh bowl that's poured out and you get a second one and this strikes me as is is really um i think this is significant here the second one it says the angel poured out his bowl into the sea and it became like the blood of a corpse and every living thing died that was in the sea and we've seen how like the the earth or the land and the sea uh, get get paired off against each other as complementary um, mm-hmm. what, what do you suppose that this is, this is my, this might be getting at? We've seen that the sea is also super symbolic in revelation. It, it's not just water. <laughs> so right. what, what do you, what do you right. make of uh, this? Well, the sea is of course, uh, was greatly feared by the Hebrew people. Um, it was, uh, it, it, it similar, it, it was like chaos. It, it's sort of like, um, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and, and empty, and, and uh, you know, there was just nothing but water, a, a water, and, and, of course, the water had to be put in its place in, in making order, and, and that's why in, in, the, in the life to come, or in, in, in God's uh, paradise at the end, it says there will be no more sea. Um, in in this this particular case, of course, it's it's uh, kind of like uh, the sea also has a, has a part in in the um, environment of man, and so again, so it's a dis, it's destruction of of the elements of man's environment in this particular case. Right. Well, yeah, no, I, 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 thank that, you. That's kind of what I would take out of it. Well, you yeah, know, I, and I think there is something to that, that there is something um, particularly human about the way that the sea is represented. Um, I mean, connecting it to what we've seen in the text, right? The beast, it says, arises from the sea. Right. right. That was what oh, we saw back okay. in, in chapter 13, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting when, when you compare that to 
for instance, uh, any mention of the sea in connection to God or the saints, you have descriptions of like a sea of glass, right? Um, like this idea of like a, a sea that's been stilled, like just the opposite of the chaos, right, that you were talking right. about. So yeah, there's quite a juxtaposition between like the, the sea of glass uh, where, where there is no more chaos, it's just the presence of God, versus the tumultuous sea that gives rise to um, perhaps uh, in the first place as a prototype here, um, the Caesars, um, you know, who I think you could definitely say seized power in the midst of chaos. Um, right. Moreover, right, we're going to see this uh, ahead in chapter 17 here that uh, we have Babylon, the 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 great mother of all prostitutes, it says, is seated on many waters, right? So I think that in a few ways here, this seems to be pretty consistent that the sea is, I mean, ultimately the place that represents the enemies of God. Um, and it kind of right. always has represented that in some ways. In Isaiah, we, we've seen that, how it just kind of represents very often like the, the Philistines, for example, um, or even um, Tyre and Sidon or, you know, any other invaders, they always seem to like come by way of the sea or something. Right. Um, and so put all those things together, is this perhaps God pouring out his judgment on uh, the Romans? Well, yes. you know, in, well, or in, in one any... sense, oh yeah, that's right. Or, or any other of his enemies, right? Um, and I, I think in, or, in one know, sense... It's, it's uh, kind of one... like if the sea is the source of evil... Or, you know, in, in other yeah. words, that it, it's kind of like they saying, if you can't kill the bird, kill, uh, cut down the tree in which it nests. Uh, so, in other words, it's a judgment against uh, the source of of this evil that that is being dealt right, with. Right, right, right. So, it's, yeah. So, it seems like it could be like some kind of a, uh, I, I don't know what, some kind of recompense, some kind of um, countermeasure compared to the first one. Uh, before we go any further, though, we do have a question here on the line. We've got we've got James calling in with a question. Hey, good good morning, brother. Good to hear from you. you got a question for us here, at Revelation chapter sixteen. Yes, I have a question for you, the moderator, and I have one for our good pastor, Voice uh, Claire. Uh, for your sure. question, uh, moderator, I'd like for you to explain uh, verse fourteen. Are the kings and the civil and public authorities on the side of evil in that verse? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. can you explain verse 14 and tell me whether the kings and the civil and public authorities are on the side of evil? And for okay, our good yeah. pastor, sure, good uh, Boyce Claire, um, yes. why is God's wrath not heeded? Is it because there is no grace associated with the wrath in this chapter? And right. the second part of that question is, are the civil powers to be pushed closer to God or closer to each other because of the wrathful judgments that's going on in this chapter? Good questions. Thank you, James. Those are, those are both some really good questions here. Um, we're, I think we're going to get to those both um, in just a little bit here, um, especially, I think, to your second question there. When we turn towards those last uh, three in the sequence here, or really uh, even the last four, that that line, they did not repent and give him glory. So I think we're going to have a chance uh, to get to that. So uh, thank you, James. And we'll, we will be sure to approach both of those. Uh, I just want to make sure that we finish off this thought and kind of press on so we can get <laughs> to those verses. Uh, we were just 
uh, just to kind of tie a bow on this on the second bowl here. So if this is a symbol for God pouring then his wrath on the, the enemies of God, the enemies of his people, um, and we were just talking about what you had in the general Gallus uh, who came and who um, you know conducted this this bloody campaign in Judea, well, there was a response, um, and actually, it left Rome uh, reeling like and running away like a dog with a tail between its legs because, you know, Gallus is there and he and he's you know just he's he's taken you know victory after victory, uh, but then actually the tide turns and and Rome didn't even know what to make of this. They were astounded because this is one of the worst defeats of Rome um, at the hands of a rebel province um, in all of its history that all of a sudden you just had um, this, this, this wave that was attacking their supply lines. It was actually uh, disrupting their ability to use things like uh, catapults. Um, and actually Gallus had to run back to Rome. Um, and th this all happened, uh, I want to say it was like maybe like within like the year, maybe even uh, maybe going up to like 67. But it was, a, it was a terrible loss for Rome. They lost thousands of troops um, who all died. So, you know, there is... Um, you know, may, maybe even historically, you actually see a little bit of this counterplay where, uh, you know, Rome uh, meets out judgment on behalf of God. And then, you know, the the, uh, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Zealots who are all um, kind of at least temporarily aligned with each other, you know, uh, also judgment back the other direction. Uh, but let's take a look at the third one here, because I do want to make sure we have time for uh, James's question. This is different now. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. Now, I mean, that's that's different. Like we we've seen a lot of like the land or the earth, and we've seen a lot of the sea, but not so much on the the rivers and the springs of water. So, um, yeah. So, Pastor, do you make of this here? I mean, it's not the most common symbol, but we've seen it before, right? And and I think it's it's even in in what the trumpet judgments or in the other judgments that the springs of water and, right. and uh, the rivers mm -hmm. and there you, there you have the sources of of uh, uh, moisture on the earth and and you know not not a not a, um, a salty brine but but the but the fresh water as well and. Uh, and they, you know, and, and the idea here is, well, uh, the enemies of God's people, uh, you know, are thirsty for their blood, and so they get blood to drink. <laughs> right. In this, in yeah, no, that's right. I mean, like there is, there is something very just appropriate about about the way this is turned turned on their heads. Um, you know, one of the things that's interesting, though, since you bring up the, the voice, right, this is the only one that you have this really big elaboration with this voice, where it says, they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It's what they deserve. Um, you know, that that sounds, I gotta say, a lot like um, uh, the Gospels, right? I mean, it reminds me of uh, the, the crowds that were there when our Lord was being sentenced before Pilate. And they were saying, uh, his blood be upon us and our children. Reminds me of when the Lord, um, I think this was in like Luke 11, um, is right. is there, um, I mean, really um, just bang against uh, the people of Jerusalem, particularly the leaders, and saying, you know, you've got the blood of the prophets on your hands, right? I mean, just um, this long history, this is where Jerusalem's like where the prophets go to die. And so that language... I mean that that starts to make you think that that maybe this is actually again some kind of a reference to um, the land and and particularly the the Judeans 
in the land and um you know perhaps as uh you know rivers or springs of water maybe this is kind of looking more at um the authorities uh, perhaps who are in the land that the judgment um is is going to touch them too it's not just like the the foot soldiers and, and the you know the people who are kind of in, in the the crossfire but that it's 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 getting everybody and that this judgment is just in that sense because um, it's it's not like it's leaving anybody out just because they're wealthy or well protected. Exactly, and and you know I think James's question was are the are the powers of the are these uh, uh, officials and and dignitaries and so on uh, evil? You know they're they're uh, they have allowed themselves to be uh, led by Satan. That's why the Lord. Uh, that's why Satan. Uh, Attempted the Lord by saying, "I I have all the power of all these kingdoms because you know he he's the one that um, is the they're, they're in his kingdom these these uh, authorities they are they they are become um, you know instruments of evil." Right. Yeah, that's well put. So it's not as if you know having power in, inherently means that you're opposed to God or they're inherently bad. But, right. Right. Uh, these 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 powers, as um, as you're saying, have become aligned. With him, I mean, I think of when we had the the vision of the dragon and the dragon. It says he knocks um, a third of the stars out of the sky, right? It's as if the leaders of the earth become they fall under his sway, right? right? That that idea that you know you could you know serve God, of course, as a in your in your vocation as a as a civil authority, but um, you can also you know serve evil. So it's like any other vocation in that respect. just kind of go a little bit quicker here to make sure we got some time here. Fourth, the fourth bowl um, with the with the fierce heat. Um, I think that's something similar to maybe the third. The interesting point I think that maybe we can touch lightly upon is this um, bit. They did not repent and give him glory. So here is the first time that we have this mention that the reaction is that God's name gets cursed or blasphemed in response. So I mean, what do you make of that? That I mean, this is. It seems to James's question, like you know, part of this should be for repentance, but that's not what's happening. No, no, and and in this particular case, uh, this is this is the end of the world, and so this is there, there is no there is no repentance, you know, just like elsewhere in in Revelation where it says, let those who are committing evil continue to commit evil. Let lo, you know, in other words, that that this is sort of a time of judgment. There is no um, there there is no. Uh, you know, intention on on kind of bringing people to their senses. This is a this is a visitation of judgment on those right. who, um, at the end of the world, should be right. uh, punished. Yeah. Certainly. Well, let, let me take the last three here, kind of like in a little bit of um, just just kind of a little bit of a broad stroke here. Um, I think that kind of to your point, you know, you can kind of see how this is the pattern that seems to kind of just be happening again and again, even leading up to the very, very end um, and with all these things. But but historically, it's interesting to take a look at this, and this gets maybe to James's question. Uh, I, I see some historical precedent with the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh bulls in this way. Um, the, the fifth angel pours his bull out on the throne of the beast because the fifth Caesar, uh, who is Nero, dies. I mean, there, there's chaos. Um, Rome descends into darkness in the sense of descending into civil war. There's yes. a year with four different Caesars. Um, it's total right. chaos. The, the the campaign in Judea has to get called off at least for a year uh, because Rome itself is in shambles. Um, it's fascinating how also he's the fifth Caesar. 
Um, and this fifth angel is the one pouring out his bowl. Some of these things that make you think this can't be coincidence. What's striking too, um, you mentioned the, the false prophet, right? Who seems to take the place of uh, the land beast. So it seems right. like there's a, an equivalence here. And that's what Brighton yes. notes in his commentary too. Yeah. Um, yes. so, so to James's question here, what's interesting is that following Nero's death, um, Vespasian is the dog that ends up on top of the pile. Right. And you got these kings from the east, literally, the, the kings like in the in the states that kind of have a, a, a measure of independence. They're pledging allegiance to Vest, as Vespasian very quickly, um, even before he gets to Rome. And, and you see a little bit of this idea that perhaps is this sixth angel basically paving the way for Ves, Vespasian, um, that the kings of the east get in line. Um, there's a, there were a bunch, this is really weird. You look back in history, there was a whole bunch of prophecies that basically pointed to Vespasian taking over the Roman empire. At least that's the way he took it. <laughs> no doubt. Right, right. And so you got these demonic, you know, frog spirits leading up to that. And then of course, Vespasian, what's he do when he sees his power? Well, he sends his son to finish the job. The great city of Jerusalem literally does split into three different segments, um, under the division that's going on in the city. And then, as you said, those catapults raining down. So, I mean, it is striking to see how there is some historical precedent, even with the patterns that we all identify with. The last uh, just 30 seconds here, just taking it all in as, as a whole, some concluding thoughts, brother. Well, uh, it's interesting. This is the third uh, benediction, and uh, yeah. he, he says that he is going to come as a thief in the night. It's not because he's going to come secretly and nobody's going to know about it. It's because he comes unexpectedly. And uh, this is sort of like it, it, sort of a, maybe a gracious uh, invitation to trust in him. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, uh, there was a custom among the uh, those who were watching the temple. If, if anybody was sleeping on the job, uh, the, uh, yeah. the person who was in charge would set their uh, garments on fire. So oh, yes. uh, we keep our garments, which are the pure garments of our Lord Jesus Christ's righteousness. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you much, so much, brother. So much going on here. Uh, appreciate yeah. it. God bless your Easter season and looking forward to you guys having a little bit of freedom there soon, May 10th. Amen. Everybody, that was Pastor David Boyce, Claire, pastor of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Until next time, You've been listening peace. to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.